0: All right, well, good morning. Well, it's great to be here with you guys this morning. Again, my name is Seth, uh, one of the pastors here uh, at Salem. Hey, uh, I want to start uh, just with this quick story. When, uh, when Nikki and I uh, lived in North Carolina, which was really not that long ago, we had this, this neighbor... And uh, come trash day, they would always, they would bring their trash out to the curb and, uh, you know, and just do the whole thing, right? And so, but the trash um, truck would come, the, like garbage truck would come and it would take all of their trash uh, and, uh, and their trash can would be open, right? And it would just be kind of like that cockeyed weird angle on the side of the road. And, and, uh, and inevitably, almost every single week after the trash would be picked up, their, their trash can would stay there for like five days, and every time I drove by, I was like, seriously, all you have to do is walk out to the end of your driveway. It's empty. It's super light. It's got wheels. It's super light. Just grab it and take it back. And just every week, like it started at first, you know, and eventually just over time, I just, I just found like this, this judgment that would grow. I totally judged these people for something so small, so simple as like not taking, like bringing their trash can back in. and I, I totally judged them. Uh, and then uh, this week I was uh, pulling out of, uh, out of our driveway. Trash comes for us on Monday and I think it was Friday and I backed out and lo and behold, I saw my trash can on the edge of the driveway and God just hit me in this moment like, you silly person you silly person, that you would judge people for this and yet you do it. And then I was like, ah, I had this moment and I felt bad and I thought, okay, well, let's move past this moment. You know, I had enough conviction and I turned on the radio and country music started playing. And it was like the moment like that the spirit hit me again, like you used to judge people so hard, so hard for listening to country music. And now what do you do? You're listening to country music. Right, It was just this moment for me, like the spirit was just like, oh, come on, Seth, Like, like get, get with it. Show of hands, how many of you guys have started listening to Christmas music already? Okay, a few of you. How many of you, show of hands, think that that's 100% wrong? <laughs> Quite a few of you, right? Maybe more. So you see, I'm the guy, um, we started listening to Christmas music about a week and a half ago or so. And, uh, and, uh, and just unashamedly, I will tell you this I found a song, a new song that I absolutely love. Uh, and it's, an, it's a country song, ironically, um, that's a Christmas music song. And I played it on repeat for three hours the other day. Like, and I was like, oh man, like I, this is totally wrong. And yet I absolutely loved it, right? The, like, we, we live in a world where judgment is all around us, right? It's this constant over and over and over. And we've been in this series called On the Mount, right? If you remember, we've been walking through uh, Matthew 5 through 7, and uh, we started by looking at these different attitudes and these different behaviors, which are really ultimately all connected to, to what Matthew, or what Jesus calls the good news of the kingdom, That's really what we're Jesus is talking about, is that he's establishing his, his kingdom rule, right? And there's these attitudes and there's these behaviors that go along with that. Um, and this morning, we're going to be in chapter 7, so we, it's, there's kind of this turning point as we enter into the final chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. And, and really what Jesus is going to do is that he's going to, to ultimately kind of shift gears towards this idea of community. So how, how is it that given these, these different attitudes and these different behaviors, in light of the world that we live in, how is it that, that we as a together, a group of disciples, fellow brothers and sisters, move forward in the midst of the mess of of this world and the life that we live in. And so Jesus is going to use these very familiar words for us this morning um, to teach us about judgment uh, and then he's going to teach us about how, how do we engage, like, our fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus. And then, and then how do we engage the world? Or how do we engage people who are not of the same moral faith as we are? And so in order to do this, Jesus is going to uh, distinguish between what we might call um, acts of judgment and the attitude of judgmentalism. Okay, does that make sense? Are you with me? Like, he's going to distinguish between these acts of judgment... Or these decisions from this attitude of judgmentalism. Okay? So here we are. We start in chapter 7, verse 1, and here's what Jesus says. He says, Judge not that you be not judged. Right? Judge not that you be not judged. Okay? So this is classic Jesus, right? Like Jesus opens up this, this, this. Piece of passage, right? This small piece of this sermon, um, with this, this broad and, and large line to capture his audience, right? Like he's really trying to rope people and engage people in to grab their attention. Okay, so now that that word judge, okay, I want to just switch to the iPad here for a second, um, because who doesn't love you know learning words from a de- uh, ancient dead language, right? Uh, that's just something that we all love. Um, so. I'm going to do this. Okay, so this is the word krino. I think, I think that a line above the O means that's a long O. Is that right? I mean, I know more about Greek, I think, than I do English. Um, so this is kind of the way it is. So krino is the word here in, in this passage for the word judge. And, and the first possible translation for this word is the idea of choose, to choose or to decide, right? To choose or to decide. Now, we do... Uh, this all the time, right? We, we choose or decide, we judge in this way all, like every day, starting the moment that we get up, right? Do I choose to get up or do I choose to sleep in a little bit longer? Do I choose to brush my teeth in the morning? Do I choose to have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee? Do I choose to drink 10 cups of coffee? Do I choose to, uh, this is a decision I was forced with last night, do I eat all of the frozen pizza or do I eat half of the frozen pizza? Right? Like one is probably better than the other. And so we have these decisions that we're constantly making where we have to judge or discern or choose, decide, between these different things, right? And, and so sometimes it's that simple, those simple things, and sometimes it's, it's more complicated, like more complicated scenarios, right? So, so maybe you're driving uh, your car, uh, and, and as you're driving your car, you, you get to a stoplight, and, and the light begins to turn yellow, right? And so you have a decision to make, right? This is more complicated, right? This isn't like brushing your teeth. This isn't like what kind of a donut that I should choose, right? Should I Hit my brakes, or should I go through the light? Okay? Does that make sense? You guys follow me? You're tracking with me so far? Okay, so the other, the other possible um, use for this word here is, is what we might more commonly just just call to judge. Now, to judge is different than choosing because we're actually making or declaring a statement about what we decide or determine is morally right or morally wrong in, in any given moment. And so, so maybe it's not just me. Maybe it's not me driving the car. Uh, maybe, or maybe I come to a stoplight and I choose, when the yellow light comes on, I choose to hit my brakes, okay? Okay. So I hit my brakes and I stop, but the car next to me decides to go all the way through. Right? And in this moment I have a judgment, right, that I can I can go, well I chose, <laughs> I chose to stop, and yet you did not. And so we make these judgments or these, these moral claims or truths about what is right or wrong in any given moment, right? However the situation is unfolding, I can make this type of a judgment. But in both of these cases, whether I'm choosing or if I'm judging, whichever of these two, right, I, I'm, I'm sifting out evidence, Right? Like, and, and that's how we work as human beings, right? We're processing uh, data from all sources and all angles basically all of the time, right? And we have to choose what we do with all of the data that, that we have been uh, collecting, right? And so, so maybe, if maybe part of my decision and why I'm judging this other car driver uh, is because when I stopped, it's because I noticed that there were people like, in the crosswalk. Or maybe it's because the light had already been yellow for 10 seconds, <laughs> Okay? Or, or maybe it's, it's snowy or icy, right? And so whenever the, like all of that data gets processed, we're, we're sifting data, and we either make a decision or we make a judgment about what we think is right or what we think is wrong. Many years ago, probably 10, I don't know, maybe 10, 15, 20, I don't even know when this happened, um, but uh, my parents were driving their car and, uh, and, and it was a, a fairly uh, unpopulated road because they saw a long ways in the distance the car that was in front of them uh, and, and it pulled off to the side of the road, right? Put on its hazards and so, and so as you're in the back car and you're looking at going, okay, I wonder what's happening, is everything okay? Well, uh, as they get closer, right, they begin to see this, this story unfolding, like everything that's happening. And so, they see this, this uh, elderly gentleman get out of his car, walk around to the other side, and he opens up the back door and he pulls out this cage, okay? And then he proceeds to come behind the car and put the cage down. But, but being um, unaware of his surroundings or knowing that there was other people on the road, he, uh, he proceeds to open up the little cage and this, this squirrel, we don't know anything about this squirrel, we don't know if it's like his, his like childhood pet or if it's something he found in his attic. But he opens this little gate and my parents are like watching, like this is strange. And he, again, he just opens it and out darts the squirrel, straight into the tire of my parents' car. Now now, you tell me what 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 is what are you ethically responsible to do in this moment? I mean do you do you stop and do you pull over? And do you apologize? Do you like roll down your window and like do a thumbs down like I'm sorry? (laughs) Like what do you do? Like, there, there's no, like, there's no right or wrong etiquette in this. And so my parents just watched. They said, they just, like, we just kept going because we didn't know what to do. And they said, as we watched in the rearview mirror, the guy wasn't even worried about the car. He just, like, just sat there dejected. Like, like, like all of this worked. They just, like, like the, all of the fruit, like, it, there's nothing left. And some of you are, like, judging my parents. And some of you are judging me for telling that story right now you're like how could you even tell me that story like that's just ruthless and mean we go come like come on it's funny it's funny but it but it's real it's a real story, right? Because we hear these stories, or we watch them unfold, or, or whatever it is, or however the, the circumstances in front of me are unfolding, and, and something deep inside of our hearts, right, like, begins to come out. And we, we actually begin to, what, what I would say is we, we fill in the gaps of the story. We, we begin to make these certain assumed truths about what's happening in this moment, And so we see what somebody does and then we start to collect more data, right? We gather more data and we think, okay, so that's what they did. But maybe then we connect it to like what they're wearing or or the type of hair that they have or the type of car that they drive or the color of skin that they have or the amount of tattoos, the type of tattoos, the number of piercings. Maybe they're wearing a mask. Maybe they're not wearing a mask. Maybe they voted for the other guy. Maybe they attended a rally that that is morally opposite of what you believe, right? So we we take all of these judgments, we make all of these these assumptions, and then we arrive at some form of conclusion or determination, right? Like we do this all the time. We make these determinations or these conclusions about these people. And so here's the deal. I think that in these moments, what we're doing is that we're actually removing or separating the fact that these are people who were designed and created in the image of God, right? Remember that, like, that's the same and true for all people, right? So everybody is creating an image of God. We take that, and then we separate that from this one decision, <laughs> this, this tiny little blip or this moment in time. And so when we do that, though, we remove them, and we create this gap that's in between. And that's what this box really represents, Right? Pringles. Pringles rep- represents the gaps. So like, so like, there's this gap between being created in image of God and this one decision. And so then if I create that gap, I start to stuff inside of this box all of my different feelings and my emotions and my judgments, all of the, the presumed or perceived truths about what this person is like in actuality. And so, like, I do that, and I stuff it all into this box, and then I, like, close it up. Okay, do you see this? Right, this is kind of, this is what, this is what's happening in this space or in this form. And so, it's in doing this, though, that we define the person that's in front of us. Right? Like, we make this judgment about this person, and we go, you're, like, that person, You're that kind of guy, or you're that kind of gal, or maybe it's more personal. You're like, "Ah, man, he does this all the time, right? And we do, we make these judgments. We have these boxes that fill in the gaps in whatever moment that we are in. Now, the problem with this box is that we have a limited amount of information about that person, Right? We, have very, we have very little knowledge about what's going on inside of their hearts. We don't know what's going on in their lives. We don't know why they ultimately ran that light. Like maybe they had to get to the hospital for, for some emergency. And yet we make these presumed judgments. And so that's just part of the lens that we see this through. But we also see these moments through the lens of maybe our, our past experiences, right? Right? These, these things that have happened in our lives, and it's a similar thing. Maybe we know someone that was in a car accident, so, so when someone runs a red light or a yellow light, like, we judge them. and so, but, the first, like, but most of all, like, the, the, the lens that we see these moments through is actually like our, our own sin and our own self-righteousness, which actually makes our judgment in these moments wildly unreliable, doesn't it? Because we're seeing it through the lens of our own sin. Now, in this moment, in this space, Jesus isn't saying in this first verse, right? We're not even out of the first verse. He's not saying, like, don't make judgments about whether something is, is right or wrong, right? He's not saying don't do that because this is like we have, we have the Bible for a reason, right? This is truth. And so, like, this makes that judgment for us. Now, like, I need to make my, my decisions and judgments based upon what this says is true. But Jesus isn't saying... Like, don't like choose between right or wrong. What he's saying is that when you make judgments about why they're doing something the way that they are, it's not just about what they're doing, it's about why. Because when I start jumping to the why is when I start making these assumptions with this knowledge that I just don't know, right? That's only something that Yahweh can do, right? He's the only person who can do that. Uh, another passage that's helpful uh, in, in, uh, in this text, would be James chapter four, uh, verses eleven and twelve. I think that they should be up here. Okay, so it says this: It says, "Do not speak evil against one another, brothers." Okay, the one who speaks evil against a brother or judges a brother, right? Okay, they're similar, right there, right? They can speak evil against the law and judge the law, right? Do you notice the disconnect, right? right? But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And this is where it's like really important, right? Verse 12, he says, there is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor, right? It's like James, it's like, guys, like there's so many things wrong with this, there's so many things wrong with this, but first and foremost, the biggest thing is that you are putting yourself into the position of God himself. Like, you are assuming a role that has not been designated for you, right? You don't have the knowledge. You don't have the information. You don't have the data to make that call, and yet we do, right? And so here's the deal. Like, if I were to think about it this way, right, there's this line, right here, and God is over here, and, and there's man, right? There's this line that exists for a reason, right? And, and I'm, I'm not supposed to cross this line, right? You have God, and then you have man, right? And yet, so many times, like, when I get into a place of judgment, what I'm doing is that I, I kind of sneak my way over, right? And I cross that line, and it's as if in this moment, what I do is, like, I become buddy-buddy with Jesus, and I put my arm around him, right? And here we are, like, side by side, right? And it becomes this me and Jesus moment. But the problem is, is that it's now, it's, it's not about this line. It's, it's about me and Jesus against whoever is on the other side of that line. Like, are you following me? Right? So, like, buddy, buddy, like, here we are. And it's like we can, like, Jesus and I can gossip together, you know? And you're like, Jesus, man, can you believe that, that so-and-so did that? And Jesus is like, I know, they're the worst, like, they are so bad. Like, I can't. Like, I'm so glad that we can talk about this, you and me, because that person just is getting on my nerves, right? And this is the. the per, by the way, this isn't reality. This is not how it works. This is, this is a delusion, right? We think that we're over here, and that's not what Jesus is like. The reality is, is that we are over here on this side, right? And so and it creates this, this, this persona, I guess, or perspective that it's me and Jesus against other people. And that's where judgment comes in. And that's when it, when it feels and hurts, right? Because there's this, this moral superiority, like this high-level piece of like, like looking down kind of our long noses at other people. And so at the end of this, though, right, um, this end of this verse 1, he says, judge not that you not be judged. And so, what Jesus is saying, he's like, he's like, I know that you want to cross this line and you want to pretend like you're in this divine world, but that's not the reality. The reality is that you are here, and if you judge, guess what? That's the way that you are going to be judged. Like, that's the reality in this scenario that Jesus is presenting. And so verses two through five then, Jesus goes on to explain or to talk to his disciples really about how to engage one another, but he's gonna do it in this, this, I think, incredibly comical way. It's really, really funny, while he kind of like softly punches you in the heart, okay? Right? And that's what Jesus is going to do in these verses two through five, okay? So look at seven, verse two. Jesus says, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, okay? So, check this out. Um, I wanted just to show you this very briefly. Um, there's, there's really this, this multiplication of words in this. It starts with, there's three words of judgment, okay? We go to this next slide, right? So, that, that verse two, right, it says, it's actually, in the, in the Greek, it's the judgment that, that you judge, you will be judged, right? That, that's how it actually goes in the Greek, right? So the same word is in verse one, right? Do not judge, he says, right? If you judge with this type of a judgment, then guess what? You're going to be judged in this type of a way. And then following, he says, right? And the measure that you measure... It will be measured to you. So, right, here's what's so comical, I think, about this moment, right? Is that we have, like, remember that when we separate uh, uh, people as being created in the image of God from this one singular decision, we create this gap. And when we create this gap, right, we stuff inside of this box all of our presumed assumptions and truths about the nature and the, and the reality of who this person really is, right? Like, we're really just con, con, almost like condemning the heart. And so what we do is, like, we, we pack it all up nice and neatly, and Jesus is like, what do you do with this box? Well, I give it to the person. And what are they going to do? They're going to give it back, and then they're going to give it back, and then they're going to give it back, right? It's this, the, it made, do you see how comical this is? Like, this is, like, this, this is what's going to happen. This back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it's, in like, the seriousness of that is it's destructive and it's incredibly dangerous. Like, you've ever heard this line where, I'm rubber, your glue? Whatever you say bounces off me and sticks to you, right? Imagine that. Here you go. Nope. Okay. Boing, 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 and just keep going. Right? This, this this comical way that Jesus is inviting his people into the absurdity of the scenario. But then it gets even, like you're like, Man, that's just funny. I know, it's terrible, but it's funny. I get it, right? That's the way it is. And then we look at verses 3 and 4, right? Jesus continues on this, this, almost like this comical rant. He says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? Okay, so a speck um, is, is this tiny little dried up twig or a piece of it, okay? Now, it could be like a sawdust or something like if you're ever sawing or you're mowing your lawn or you're, you're like riding a bicycle and something flies up and hits you in the eye and it's just this tiny little thing, right? So right here, it really is this, this tiny little piece of a dried up twig okay, that gets, like, bounces off or some way and gets stuck in your eye, right? And you're like, man, that's the worst. I, I, you ever had that happen? Right? It's, it's terrible, right? Like, everyone's like, that's, I, that's the worst. I hate it. And yet Jesus, like, I, he knows the, the, the humor in this situation, right? Because then he, he basically turns to this idea of a log or a plank, which is, um, is a, um, a support beam for an entire home, and so you're like, you're like, so you go from this tiny little twig to the image of a telephone pole sticking out of your eye, right? Like, I mean, think how big that is. I mean, you go from this speck to like an entire tree. Like, I mean, how wide is that? You know, like it's just out of your eye. And Jesus is like, he's inviting people into the humor of this situation, right? Uh, it's comical. And we go, this is, this, this would be incredibly disorienting, not to mention entirely dysfunctional. Like, I can't see to do that. And so Jesus goes on, right? And so he says, how do you, like, see the speck but not notice the log, right? You see, those are two different Greek words, the word for see and notice, right? To see is just to look. Like, if I just look or, like, I I see in your eye this tiny little thing. But the word uh, notice is the idea of perceiving, or understanding what's going on in this actual moment, right? So there's this, this idea that we can look at the speck, right, but not perceive the log that's in our own eye. So there's this, I think, this, this curious feature of humanity, right, that, that we can be so informed about other people and yet entirely ignorant of ourselves, right? Has anybody else ever done this? Or is it just me? Cool. All right, just me. I'm preaching to me. All right right, that we can be ignorant of ourselves. And so we, we fixate on other people without being able to perceive, or at least not working to perceive what's going on inside of me. And so what Jesus is saying is that it's not about one person or the other being a worse sinner. In fact, in fact that's not possible, right? We're all equal sinners in God's eyes, which is really the point of this, is that there isn't a worse sinner in this scenario, right? But the point is that I can see and fixate on something so small and yet entirely miss the massive chasm of sin in my own life, right? My, my total depravity, like we are equal in this and yet I focus on this one tiny little piece in another person. And essentially, I think what we kind of do is this is the perfect moment. Like when, when judgment, when we feel the need or the desire, the want to judge others, right? Like the thing that should come in is the gospel, Right? This is where grace and forgiveness should enter in right away, right? Because that which we've been given, we should give others, right? And yeah, I think that we create this vacuum, right? And so, like, when judgment starts to happen, it's like the gospel kind of starts to swoop in. It's like, and they get sucked right up the vacuum, right? And it just it becomes this, this void of acknowledging, right, the own sin in myself, right? And so, this, this need for self reflection is incredibly evident. Right? It's incredibly evident. And, but it's not just this ignorance, like, like we are sometimes ignorant of ourselves, but then what what's, makes that even worse is that when we combine our own ignorance with the, the, the audacious and prideful and arrogance of the assumptions that we make about other people, And that's where this becomes even more dangerous. That's what Jesus is helping us to see. And so Jesus is like, hey, how is it, tell me, how it is that you can remove the speck in another person's eye without first removing yours? And so really, Jesus, I think, is implied here, right, is that he doesn't want us to move away from difficult conversations. He actually wants us to move towards these difficult conversations, right? It's, it's good to talk about the specks that are in our eyes. It's also good to talk about the logs that are in our eyes, right? But, but Jesus encourages us to move towards that, but, but only after this personal self-reflection. Right to understand what's really going on inside of my own heart, and that's where we get to verse five. Jesus says, "You hypocrite, right? That word has come up several times in the last chapters. Uh, like you, you play actor, you stage actor, you presenter, right? Uh, of one thing, but not the other, right?" And he says, "First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck." Out of your brother's eye, and so it's as if like the comedy of this scenario, like kind of like like filters out, and Jesus comes to his point. And this is, I think, what Jesus wants us to understand. He says, "Before you assume anything about anybody else, perhaps you should assume first and foremost that your own vision is impaired." Do Do you see what he's saying here? Before you make this assumption about other people, assume first that, that your own vision is apparent. I think that's the point of this story. And so really, what he's asking us to do is to shift from a posture of judgmentalism to a posture of humility. And it switches, right? And there's a whole new attitude change, right? To see others correctly is to first and foremost see myself correctly, right? It's first and foremost to see myself correctly. So how I engage in any given moment, whether I'm driving a car or if I'm parenting kids or if I'm taking a test at school, right? However these situations unfold and I, and I choose, I, I, I'm tempted to be judgmental, right? I need to understand first and foremost not to separate them from their creation, right? I need to assume that there is sin in my own life. And to process that sin, right? And then on top of that, to remember the grace and the forgiveness that Jesus has given me. And so I look back to the cross. And I go, okay, so that's where the gospel needs to fit in this moment. Because at any given moment, there is stuff that's going on inside of me that is equally, if not more destructive, than the speck that is in this other person. Now, does the text tell us that there is a speck in the other person's eye? Like, is, yes, it's not a figment of the imagination. Yes, it's there because, because everybody has a speck in their eye, right? Nobody is perfect in that regard, right? Like, we all have that. But I have limited knowledge of what's going on in your life, right? I have, well, let me say this. I have very limited knowledge about even what's going on in my own heart and understanding my own motives. I have even less knowledge about what's going on in somebody else's life. And so the situation, no matter what, is messy and complex. Plex. And so I think that Jesus is saying like, hey, before you go talk about it, if it's something that you decide this needs to be talked about, before you ever go talk about this type of a thing, step back and double check your own heart. Right? Check your own eye and make sure that there's not something that is preventing you from, from entering into this because the goal of talking about a speck in another person's eye is not to bring judgment and it's not to bring condemnation, right? The goal is actually to bring restoration and healing, right? That's always the point of these conversations and how they work, right? In fact, in, in Hebrew culture, there's um. I don't remember the phrase or the word, but it's about thinking the best in people. And so when I'm like riding in my car, driving in my car, and I see this person do this, instead of assuming that they're terrible people, maybe I should first then assume that they had to get to the hospital. Or maybe they're texting and driving because they have this issue in their life, this, this something that they cannot escape, and they are so intoxicated by it. Or maybe they, they just hate everything that there is about life, Right? And so instead of judging, we begin to think the best about these people. So we come back to our, our iPad here for a second, right? So, so Jesus says, right, when you choose between right or wrong, right, that's good, right? Checkmark, that's a good thing. But when your judgment becomes condemnation, right, that is a bad thing, right? And we remember that Jesus, like, never came to condemn. He didn't come, like, to to, to point out all of our flaws. He came to save us from our sin and from our total depravity, from our brokenness. And so I think then what Jesus is doing is he invites his disciples to, to move from judgmentalism to humility and then to love. You see these posture shifts, judgmentalism to humility and to love. Like there's this de escalation process. And so then it's not, it's no longer about me and Jesus against you. What Jesus is saying in this moment is stay on your side and, and put your arm around your buddy and it be about you two together pointing and looking to Jesus. That's the difference in this scenario, right? And that's what we are called to do, right? And it's still super messy and it's, it's super hard, right? When we're on this side of humanity, it's actually easier to judge and to point fingers. It's so, so much easier to do that. But it's only in this side of the space that we can actually experience restoration and healing. That judgment will never, ever bring that. And so as we begin to wrap up here, we, go, we know that we say, Jesus says, do not judge. And then he teaches us, like, how to engage with other Christians, and now in this final verse, he teaches us to engage with non-Christians. Here's what he says in verse 6, right? This is kind of a hard verse, right? This is challenging. He says, do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. And you're like, what? What? what is happening? Jesus is like just talking about do not judge, and here he talks about these pigs trampling you. Like it feels like he's saying this is an area that you should judge. There's lots of possible interpretations, and we don't have time to unpack all of those, but dogs and pigs is a natural reference to Gentiles or to anybody who's not in the Jewish faith. And so here's what I think, and I could be wrong about this, but here's what I think this is, this is saying. He says, don't force what you value onto the world. You see, we think that we have these pearls, right? And they have so much value, and we want to bring them to people, and we want to give them to people. And yet, does, does a pig or a dog value a pearl? Like They don't value that. They don't want that. And so why, why force that upon them? Because when we do that, it, it, it provokes violence and ultimately does the opposite of what, um, what we want to accomplish. By the way, when we cross that line and we come over here, we create this, this um, perceived reality in the world about what Christians are like. Back in 2006, there was a, some research done by a group called Barna, uh, and they basically found that there are top three words that the world or non-Christians in the U.S. associate with Christians. You want to know what number one is? Any guesses? Judgmentalism. Judgmental. Number two, hypocritical. Both words in this text. And number three, anti-gay. Right, that's the world that we, we live in, and yet we sometimes as Christians just blurt out our opinion. We bring pearls to, to, the, to, the, to this time, to this space, into this conversation, whatever it is, we bring these pearls and it doesn't always work. And so like, I think that like, it's hard in this world because we live in social media Like, where we can just post anything. It's, there's this political season, right? There's these tensions, right? There's these, all these different things, which means, by the way, that when we have all of that, we're creating lots and lots of boxes. Lots and lots of boxes with all of these things. All these things packed inside of them. And what Jesus, I think, is ultimately saying in this verse 6 is, when you think about the world, would you use wisdom? Would you be wise in how you approach the world? I'm going to give us this quote um, from a person. I just think it gives us perspective, okay? Uh, This next, uh, yep, here we go. Okay, it says this. And you can maybe guess who you think this said this. It says, my drive in life comes from a fear of being mediocre. That is always pushing me. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being, but then I feel I am still mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though I have become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended, and I guess it never will. This is, a, this is the world that we're judging, a person who doesn't know how to ride the bike. They don't have any clue about the bike. They don't know anything about this. Do you know who said this? Madonna, a person of, like, high status, money, fame, wealth, right, always pursuing, and yet we find ourselves, we, we, instead of being on this line, like, we like to come over to this line, and the reality is, in this moment, as we look at these people in the world, they have no clue what this bike even represents, they have no clue about Jesus and what he offers, so here's my question, if they don't know anything about that, why are we judging them? Why are we judging them by the standards of the bike when they don't even know about it? They don't even know about the bike. And for us inside of the church, right, we have like brothers and sisters, and sometimes we judge each other because we're like, man, like I can't believe you don't know how to ride this bike yet. Like, like would you just learn? Like just put your foot on it and steer. Like would you just do it already? And here's my encouragement to you about people inside the church is that because we're all at different stages and phases of learning how to ride this bike. Every single person is on their own path and God knows that path, not you. And so don't judge your brother or sister. Maybe instead of judging them, come and help them learn how to ride a bike. Enter into their life and help them ride the bike. Here's my big idea this morning. It's very simple. It's very simple. Point people to Jesus. Would you point people to Jesus? Instead of judging, right, he starts, do not judge. But would you point people to Jesus? Here's my, here's just the two questions I want to give you guys as we wrap up. The first one is this, what are your triggers? Like, what are the, what are the different things that happen in this life that, that, that tend to automatically move you towards judgmentalism? What are those things that push you right there? Like a snap of a finger, a short whistle, a horn honk, uh, somebody says something negative or critical, whatever it is that moves you right to judgmentalism. And um, when yo, apparently, um, when you, I wrote those, by the way, so that's on me, when uh, you are on the wrong side of the line, when you cross this line and you are being judgmental, who in your life has permission to tell you that? Who, who is the person that you've invited in and said, hey, I want you to look for this, and I want you to help me when I do that? Simple questions. And I want to take you, I'm going to give you this one challenge as we kind of wrap up and leave this morning, um, because I think this is so important about as we enter into st- the stories of the people around us that we don't have the information, We do. we have limited knowledge and information. Bring your own story into that moment. So here's my challenge. Write out your story. If you've never done this, write out your own personal salvation story and include three things. Who were you before Jesus? How did Jesus enter into it? Like, what, like explicitly explain the gospel. Like, You should be able to explain the gospel as a part of your story, right? And it's not just like I went to church and found Jesus and then I move on, right? Share the gospel. And the last piece is who am I now? I think Like, if you can get this down, it'd be great to have a 10-minute version of your story, a 3-minute version of your story, and a 30-second version of your story. And you should be able to tell it to Christians or non-Christians at any time. Right? Bring your story in because it helps remind you of what God did for you and prevents some of that judgment. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for this morning. God, you are, you are so good to us that despite the, the critical nature of our hearts and our spirits, uh, that you continuously, unconditionally, just lavishly, extravagantly pour your love and grace over us. And so, Father, Lord, I just I ask that this morning that you would remind us of who we are in you. And if there's any struggle in judgmentalism, that you, you would point that out, but that you would do so in the sense of reminding us, not in a guilty way, but in a way of saying, Seth, remember how much I love you. Would you love other people the same? Lord, we love you and we finish our time with worship. In your name we pray, amen.